Welcome to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your host, your personal financial advisor, live this Saturday morning. It is a gloriously gorgeous September morning. It's September 25th. Welcome to More Than Money, live as always on Saturday mornings, always bringing you the very best that we possibly can, freshest up to date, most current information every single Saturday morning. And we are pleased to do so. Happy to serve you this morning. So welcome. And hopefully you're already enjoying the day. Oh, Dark 30 came eh, not so early this morning, gosh, with, uh, let's see, spring ahead, fall back. So we pick up an hour here shortly, and uh, that'll make Oh, Dark 30 a little earlier. But goodness, it's dark until, what, after 6 still? So, goodness, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Out and around this morning in the dark, a little chilly, a little crisp fantastic. And um, if I understand right, the entire weekend is supposed to be absolutely beautiful. We trust that you'll enjoy every single moment of it to the very best that you can. Hopefully that includes some part of the next couple of hours with us. If you are a loyal listener to More Than Money, you know exactly how this works. Momentarily, I'll give you three different ways that you can join our show, become Uh, the uh, top of the agenda for our show. Uh, Your questions, your concerns, your observations are our highest priority. We have fistfuls of emails, and we're going to get to as many of those as we possibly can, but your calls go to the top of the list, and folks who uh, email us during the show go to the top of the list as well. So if you want to be on top of the list, whether your questions are about investments Income taxes, estate planning, or business. They might be about retirement, generating maybe uh, income in retirement, or maybe uh, avoiding losses in retirement. That's a very popular topic today with the uh, um, goings on in Washington, D.C., causing most thoughtful people some real concern about where their investments will be. Uh, even a few months from now, let alone a year or two. Uh, If you have questions about deductions and exemptions and credits and uh, Roth IRAs and standard 401ks and 403Bs and XYZs and all that other kind of good stuff, uh, you are in the right spot. Of course, estate planning is a very challenging topic with wills and trusts and powers of attorney life insurance and long-term care, and of course, business. Oh my goodness, starting a business, uh, whether it's a franchise or a startup, or maybe you've come up with a brilliant idea and you're going to be on Shark Tank soon, or maybe your company is doing okay, but not great, and you'll be on the profit soon, or maybe you've run into some strange things and you've got to have a conflict resolved and you'll be on money court with Kevin O'Leary. Lots of fascinating stuff going on. You might want to start with more than money. Easiest way to do that is uh, give us a call, 610-720-7900, 610-720-7900. That brings you into Mr. Sunshine himself, Mr. John Elliott, bright and just chipper. Chipper's the word. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Wood chipper. Ah, very nice. Well played. 
610-720-7900. You talk to John, you talk to me. We'll give you as much information as we possibly can to help. You can send me an email during our show, gene at askmtm.com, G-E-N-E at askmtm.com. And if you are further afield or if you simply prefer the super crystal clear clarity of um, receiving your radio show through iHeartMedia, easy to do. You go to our website, morethanmoneyonline.com, morethanmoneyonline.com. Hit the Listen Live button that appears magically every Saturday morning right around 8 o'clock. That's a red button, whether it's on your uh, smartphone or your laptop or your tablet or your workstation. And then hit the uh, the Ask Gene button. If something pops up, you're saying, hey, I got a question. I'd like to have that explored. Then go there as well. Again, 610-720-7900, 610 900. Uh, goodness, tons going on. Uh, just a couple things off uh, in, in terms of housekeeping. Newsletter, September newsletter published this week. Hopefully you received yours. If you did not, send me an email, gene at askmtm.com. We'll make sure that that gets sent to you. Uh, gosh, we're up to about 95, 96% of our um, subscribers receive their email by uh, by uh, their email uh, receive their newsletters by email and uh, we still have some hold holdouts a, a few percent that receive it in hard copy those who receive it by email got theirs I think Monday or Tuesday this week and uh, those who receive it by um, hard copy should absolutely have it by Christmas I don't I don't I'm fairly confident. All right, not really confident, but all right, I don't know if you're going to get it at all. <laughs> the way things are going. 610-720-7900 to make sure you get that. The Ah, uh, oh, you might, I, I should have um, led with, uh, as, as you hear, it's Gene, Gene only. Gene runs the shop. Uh, Alyssa has been suspended for today. Uh, she had the um, audacity uh, to suggest that maybe she should, you know, be with her family or her daughter and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, jeez, does it never end with these folks? Well, the answer is no. Family's so important, for goodness sakes. And uh, bottom line for us is that we're happy that she's out and about. We uh, we're very blessed that uh, Alyssa. Young has joined us over these uh, few months, and uh, next week she'll be running the shop herself uh, as Diane and I are traveling, and uh, uh, we're getting a lot of really, really nice comments, a lot of great feedback about Alyssa's presence and uh, her contributions to the show. So some weeks I fly solo, and some weeks she flies solo, and some weeks... We handle this together. So hopefully you're enjoying all that. If you have comments or questions, gene at askmtm.com works very well. If you have a call, 610-720-7900. Is it Ray or Roy? Roy, good morning. Hi, how you doing? You got it right. It's Roy. Yeah. Uh, how may I help you, sir? Yeah, um, hey, I don't know if this was a good idea, but I got an irrevocable trust started. Okay. And... um 
my lawyer, he seems okay, but he's he said you don't need to get a, a tax identification number for it unless the income of the trust is over a hundred dollars. Uh, is that correct? Well, it it may very well be, but more importantly, why would you have an irrevocable trust and 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 have either little or no activity? I'm not sure what your what good, what's good your question. goal. Well, it's 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 for uh, you know asset protection mostly. It's not really for income. It's just to preserve capital in these days of turmoil. Like um, and it's real estate. It's real estate which is out of state, which would to my knowledge, required two two probates when I pass away. So uh, I kind of, you know, wanted to have at least in a, I mean, a revocable trust would do it too, but, um, you know, that that's part of it. And it's, it's real estate, which I don't want to sell. And um, so that really there's no income involved. There'll be taxes to pay. But no income. Well, know? let me let me ask you a question. If if the trust is holding the real estate, and the real estate has expenses, real estate taxes, insurance, that type of thing, even though the real estate itself doesn't does not generate an income, how will the trust pay for those expenses? We we'll gotta put money in it. I gotta ah, like fund yeah. it. Yeah, if you fund it, yeah, okay. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> that you better have uh, a trust ID number. I that that's me personally. Uh, I think your attorney, uh, whether he or she is right or wrong, isn't isn't really the point. I think it, we're being just a little short sighted. I think the IRS is going to be a bit more interested in this trust than your attorney might suggest. So I would suggest that you have that. Yeah, tax tax ID numbers are are free. Uh, they they cost next to nothing. They can be obtained in moments. So there's no there's no uh, upside to not getting one, and there may be some pretty serious downside. I would suggest that you get it uh, get it and file that return every year, whether you have income or not. Yeah, yeah, just to keep everything nice in front of them, so they don't get excited. Ah, uh, exactly. <laughs> you know how the IRS is; they get excited. Like, um, hey, another question. This one's harder. Um, the 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 laws concerning inheritance and stepped up valuations. Sure. Like, um, I understand that you know when you pass away, you get the step the heirs get the stepped up valuation. But um, how likely would it be that the IRS would change that law? Like, um, you know, we've got we've got the progressives running the government now, and um, they want to get money out of whoever they can. So, who who, who actually is responsible for changing that law, and, and what do you think the likelihood is that they will? Uh, Congress is responsible for changing the law, and it's already part of the current tax proposal to change the stepped-up basis to, um, in, 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 depending on which proposal you're looking at, either eliminate the stepped-up basis or adjust it much, much lower so that uh, beneficiaries of estates uh, no longer either enjoy any of that benefit or it's greatly reduced. There's even one proposal that we took a look at yesterday. It's not in the current tax package proposal, but it's being kicked around by the head of the Finance Committee in the Senate, a gentleman who has no financial 
acumen whatsoever. He's a progressive, so he doesn't believe in financial acumen. Uh, he's suggesting that every uh, person at the end of the year declare their capital gains, whether they've sold the asset or not, and pay tax on those gains, again, whether they've sold that asset or not. So in his world, if you buy a piece of real estate, we'll use that as a good example. And at the end of the year, it went from a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in value. He wants you to write a check to the government for ten thousand bucks, even though you haven't sold the asset, even though you don't have that cash in hand. He wants you to pay those taxes year by year. Uh, the man wow. is uh, misguided uh, on the highest level. How he made it through grade school, let alone into the Senate, is an absolute mystery to me. And this proposal would crush the capital markets, would reduce tremendously the amount of money available for companies to grow, for people to invest in real estate is a good example. Tons of average Americans invest in real estate, and that would crush that. And he seems to think that that's a lovely idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the back of my mind, I, I think that the current regime is really intent upon destroying the, 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 the economy because then they can usher in socialism. I, I really think that that is they, – they, 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 you know, the, they, they are stupid, but, but thinking that socialism will actually work. Mm. But, uh, but they, they're crafty enough to, to, to realize, I think, that, that most of these moves are going to – bring down the economy. I don't think, you know, spending trillions of dollars that we don't have and destroying the dollar, which is pretty much what the economy is living on right now. Uh, it is very yeah. difficult for a thoughtful person to disagree with what you just said. It's very, very difficult. Uh, for most people who are kind, they look at the current uh, policies coming out of Washington and they say, they're, these poor people are really dumb. That's being kind, in my opinion, the maliciousness of their playing this long game of if we just wear down the economy to the point that most Americans are dependent on the government. Uh, the word socialist is not one that they'll embrace, but anybody that understands plain English would absolutely uh, exchange out the word democratic or progressive or liberal for socialism because that's exactly what it is. And when you come down to it, it's simply about power and the yep. people who yep. claim that they want everyone to be free and that they're the champions of freedom and liberating people around the world are actually quite the opposite. So you and I have already gone down a path this morning that will probably get me in trouble uh, with lots and lots of folks. But, Roy, I appreciate the, the call and I appreciate your comments and and uh, and and God bless you, sir. Oh, yeah. God bless you, too, man. Yeah, we have a hold up. Uh, you know, your show's fantastic. And if they criticize it, I think they're mistaken. Yeah, well, they can they can uh, not let the screen door hit them on the way out. <laughs> Roy, thank Alrighty. you so much. God bless. 610 720 Gene at com. I want to be really clear, since I'm already deep into the muck, um, the, the difference um, between my political views and the political views of people who disagree with me, who live down the street, 
and and I'm using that euphemistically as as my neighbors, people who live in my community, people who uh, are clients of of more than money, people who are uh, audience members of WAEB, people who are uh, we go to church together, their kids go to school, our kids go to school together. Our disagreements are remarkably few, pretty darn reasonably handled. And cause us almost no agita whatsoever. And then we look to Washington, D.C. And it's the exact opposite. And when I say Washington, D.C., you say, well, you don't want to you don't want to include everybody down there. Well, sure I do. Sure I do. Bring me somebody that you think is a champion of American values. And, and if, if they happen to have the, the, the tag Republican attached to them, I say, what, what, so what have you done? Kind of tired of hearing the yammering and the yapping and, and this is wrong. Although I heard way more yammering and yapping when president Trump was in office, way more criticism of president Trump, a Republican president than I'm hearing from any, any Republicans in Washington, D.C., the uh, as my mom used to say, they're all in cahoots, which I think is right outside Topeka, Kansas. I'm, 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 uh, my geography is not as good as cahoots, Kansas. I th- well, anyway, they're in cahoots. So uh, when I disagree with my neighbor who happens to vote with a D behind his name and I happen to vote perhaps with an R behind my name, the, the disagreements are, 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 are few. Our, our value systems uh, are very much aligned. We all want what's best for the country. We all want what's best for all Americans. And then you cross inside the Beltway at 495 in Washington, D.C., and you don't recognize the country. I certainly don't. 610 720 7900. Gene at askmtm.com, morethanmoneyonline.com. Um, gentleman, I think a gentleman, writes, I went to a financial advisor to have my investments reviewed. When I got her recommendation, I saw two things that surprised me. The first was she gave me all the information I need to do it myself and not have to pay her. Woo. The second was that a lot of the mutual funds she recommended are not rated five-star by Morningstar. I thought she would want to put the very best into her investments, but she didn't. Can you explain why she did this? Uh, Sure. I'm not sure you're going to get it. I'm not confident you're going to be, um, I I guess, capable or willing, perhaps, uh, to, um, to understand my explanation, but I'll give it a go. Uh, let's start with the, she gave you all the information to do it yourself. If you're the kind of person who, when going to an advisor in good faith, asks that advisor to provide you with a sample of how they might approach your financial picture. And your first thought is, huh? I can take this and do it myself and not pay her. 
uh, then you've done two people a favor. I guess you've done yourself a favor because you've saved a couple bucks. You've certainly done her a favor because a person with that kind of an approach to a advisory relationship is the worst nightmare of a professional advisor. Actually, it's not the worst. It's in the top three. Professional financial advisors who really uh, value their clients would far prefer that someone like you, um, misguided, ill-informed, absolutely off base, take that information and go away. Then pretend for even a short period of time that you're actually engaged with a financial advisor. Because what's the right term? There's a professional term. For, oh, yeah, you're a pain. Pain in the neck. You're a pain. And, and you always will be because that's the kind of person you are. What's the number one attribute that people look for in a financial advisor? It's someone they can trust. What's the number one attribute financial advisors are looking for in clients? Ooh, someone they trust. Because if you have two people, three people, if husband and wife, maybe more if you're working as, as we do with, uh, in the More Than Money World Headquarters, in the Holy Lands between Bethlehem and Nazareth. Yes, indeed. Nazareth was not the Holy Lands last night, the football team. Ugh. I think they had five turnovers. Freedom just, ugh, ugh, like a drum. Ouch. Um, if you are lucky and you're with a team like More Than Money, it is a team. You're getting four, five, six, seven different people helping you in various phases. So there's lots of folks. It's all about trust. And if you trust each other, the end result is so much better than either a financial advisor just kind of preaching from the mountaintop and down to the poor people who barely can understand, or someone like this who thinks they're being clever. Ooh, I'm being clever. I'll just take this stuff and I'll do it myself. That's the ticket. Yeah, I'll do it myself. Well, you're good for about, maybe a little longer than the expiration date on the sour cream in your refrigerator, but not much. Because a quality financial advisory relationship is not a list of mutual funds. And it's certainly not a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day, hey, look what I did. It is a 20-year journey with tons of monitoring along the way and tons of adjustments along the way and tons of conversations along the way that include your investments, of course, but will include lots of other things. Like Roy called in this morning and said, so this trust, well, uh, how much did you learn about irrevocable trust when you uh, borrowed the proposal that this financial advisor gave you and decided to do it yourself? Hmm, not, not very much. Ah, I get that. Huh. Shocking. Or a tax question. When do you do a Roth conversion and how do you do a Roth conversion and how much of your IRA should you convert to a Roth? Well, I'm guessing that's in your proposal of that mutual fund list that you decided you could do it yourself. 
So you're doing two people a favor, yourself because you're already convinced you know more than she does, and her because you're saving her from putting up with you. And your second question is embarrassing because it reveals just how, um, and I'm using the word appropriately, the word ignorant is not a, um, it's not an insult, it's a statement of fact. Ignorance is, I did not know. I did not know that. Stupidity, on the other hand, is I've told you a thousand times and you still do it wrong. You're stupid. I'm saying this guy is ignorant. He may also be stupid, but I don't know that. I can't, I can't confirm that yet. Uh, it is incredibly well known and has been for more than a decade that the Morningstar star rating uh, is largely, if not completely, irrelevant. There have been tons of studies that show that three and four star rated funds by Morningstar actually outperform five star rated funds because five star rated funds got there because they were incredibly good in the past. And one of the first things we learn as financially astute human beings is that future perform uh, past performance is no guarantee of future performance. So um, everybody wins here. Everybody wins here. She wins because you're not going to be hanging around her office. You win because you think you're clever. And I win because I got to have a lot of fun with this one. <laughs> this is good. I'm not expecting that we'll get a <clears throat> phone call back. <laughs> We've got to take our first break. Uh, just a short one, a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. 610-720-7900. Gene at AskMTM.com. We're back after this. On more than money. Welcome back to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your host, your personal financial advisor, live this Saturday morning, September the 25th. Happy to be with you. Gloriously beautiful day out there. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely gorgeous from the moment the sun peaked over the horizon to right this moment. And apparently, if, if I understand the uh, weather what forecast correctly, it's going to be beautiful the whole weekend. That's what I understand. Dan Holzman tells me this. I believe him. I think Dan's 100% believable. Gunther doesn't say that, but, but I do. 610-720-7900. Gene at askmtm.com. Morethanmoneyonline.com. We're having just a momentary problem with our phones. I think that'll be corrected shortly. So uh, at the moment, if you want to send me your emails, gene at askmtm.com. Uh, individual rights with interest rates so low at the bank, why wouldn't someone just invest in stocks with dividends? Interesting question. So uh, admittedly, uh, bank deposits right now are paying very, very modest amounts of money. Some would say near zero. Some would say that because 
it's near zero. It's a very, very small amount of money. In some cases, a quarter of a percent here and there, half a percent maybe, if you're very, very lucky. So the question is, why wouldn't someone just invest in stocks with dividends? For those of you who are not um, uh, perhaps familiar with this um, stock structure, there are certain companies that are um, profitable to the extent that in their opinion, they don't need all of the profits that the company has earned in a given period of time. It might be a quarter, it might be semi-annual, it might be, uh, most often it's an annual decision. So we'll pick on Johnson & Johnson. They sold a lot of Band-Aids or whatever, and they're sitting on a, a significant profit. But just for sake of demonstration, say it's a billion dollars, and they decide that they're going to uh, reinvest, of course, a whole bunch of that on uh, growth and, and, uh, and moving forward. But they're going to take 10% of it, $100 bucks, and pay it out to their um, shareholders. And, and let's say there are 10, um, 10 million, uh, no, let's say there's 100 million shareholders, just for fun. And there's 100 million that they're distributing. Every shareholder gets a buck. So, uh, and again, I'm not uh, quoting these numbers because they're accurate. I'm giving you a, a demonstration. I have no idea what J&J is trading at this morning, but I'm using a simple example. Let's say that it's trading at uh, $40 a share. And J&J declares a $1 per share dividend. Oh. Well, $1 on a $40 share, one 40th is a what about a two, two and a half percent dividend. Wow. So wait a second. Let me get this straight. I put money in the bank. I, at the end of the year, I have three pennies. I give them a hundred grand. At the end of the year, I have a hundred thousand and eleven dollars. <laughs> They're paying me nothing. If I put it in J and J hundred grand, at the end of the year, I have 100,000 plus $2,500 in dividends. Mm, okay. Well, that's much better. I think I'm going to move all my money out of the bank. Pump your brakes there, Jimmy. These two things, despite the simplicity of the question, these two things are not apples to apples. Um, bananas to kumquats, perhaps. Avocados to lemons, perhaps, um, but certainly not equivalent, certainly not apples to apples. Um, let, let me give you an example. So assume for a second your bank uh, earns nothing. You had 100 grand at the end of the year, you have 100 grand. Ooh, stinks. Should have done what gone with Jane Jane. Idiots. And J&J indeed does declare a $1 dividend, 2.5%. At the end of the year, you have $2,500 in dividends. So what, what is your total value in your account at the end of the year? You say, well, that's easy, $100,000, bucks. You Really? Seriously? How do you know that? The $100,000 in the bank or the credit union is guaranteed by, by the bank and lots of regulatory bodies that you're not going to lose money. 
is J&J guaranteed in any way, shape, or form? And the answer is, what's the... Hell no. Hell no. (laughs) Not even a little bit. So it's very possible that at the end of the year, in addition to your $2,500 in dividends, that your J&J stock went up. How cool is that? It went up 5%. So you've got stock worth $105,000. You have dividends worth $2,500. This is glorious. You went from the bank where you had zero, 100 became 100, uh, to J&J stock where 100 became $107,500. Well, so what could possibly be wrong with this plan? Well, how about the part where at the end of the year, your $100,000 of J&J stock could be worth ninety? What? One? Yeah. If you're not familiar with the concept, <laughs> stock prices of companies that can go up, hmm, they can also go down, even while they're paying dividends. So you're saying if a company's paying dividends, why would the stock price go down. Goodness, there are thousands of reasons. Literally. For every company, there could be a different reason. So we were very excited to learn that J&J stock paid 2.5% dividends. We gave them 100 grand. At the end of the year, we had 2,500 in cash in our dividends, except that our stock went from 100 to $90,000. So even with our dividends, we've lost seven, lost Gone, $7,500. So to repeat the question, with interest rates so low at the bank, why wouldn't someone just invest in stocks with dividends? How about the fact that you could lose a ton of money? Hmm. Now, Having said that, and and the cautionary piece of this is really important. You can't compare deposits in a bank to investing in the stock market. You can't. Two different animals. Comparing a butter knife at the dinner table to a chainsaw. Really, they both cut. They both cut. You know, I was at dinner last night and I was using my butter knife on my steak and it was, uh, it just wasn't, I should have had something better. Why wouldn't everyone just use a chainsaw at dinner? As soon as you hear that, you know that you're dealing with someone who has no clue. <laughs> they're, they're fussing around out there, but they're in the dark. You can't compare the two. Um, Is it possible that it's a good idea to take your money from the bank and put it in dividend stocks? Sure. That's very possible. How do you know? It depends. It depends 100% on you. It does not depend on the interest rate at the bank. It does not depend on the rate of dividends that you're going to get in a particular stock or a particular mutual fund or a particular exchange-traded fund. It depends on you. Hey, I've got 200000 in the bank. Uh, I spend very little. I have no repairs to my house coming up. Uh, I have a car that's in great repair. I don't need, expect to need to replace it for several years. I have no need in the near term, in the near term, three, four, five years for this 200000 Would it make sense 
to keep some in the bank. That's called cookie jar money. That's called emergency money. That's called for the unexpected. You say, well, I don't expect any. That's why they're called unexpected. And I don't know what that might be, what that number might be for you. Whatever makes you sleep well at night if you've got 200 in the bank. Is it 100? Is it 50? Is it 25? That's a personal question. That's the question of what keeps you awake at night or what allows you to sleep at night. But let's say it's 50 and that leaves you 150 that you don't expect to have a need for for three, four, five years. Now we're on the right track. Now perhaps looking at dividend stocks and in most cases, I would recommend either a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund of dividend stocks. I think Vanguard has two of the very, very best. We use them often in our uh, portfolios, in the uh, More Than Money portfolios that we create. Um, but um, they invest in um, a wide variety of very high-quality stocks that produce very significant dividends. Could be a good deal. As soon as I said significant dividends, um, that brought me to a corollary that this question did not ask, but that I will answer for you anyway. Um, in general, if you're looking at the S&P 500, the 500 largest companies in the country, <clears throat> dividend rates are about uh, between one and a half and two percent pretty reasonable guesstimate of what you could expect from large, well-situated, uh, uh, well-established uh, corporations. What if you were offered a basket of stocks that paid you dividends of 6%? Wouldn't that be better? Hmm. Well, that's... That's an interesting question. Would, would that be better? Well, the answer is, obviously, it depends. Maybe, but maybe not. If the uh, kind of uh, standard for large, well-established, well-regarded companies is about 2%, why would a company pay 6% in dividends? Well, you're right. Number one, they they could have had one whale of a year. They could have had great unexpected profits. They could be uh, producing crude oil that when uh, the current administration moved to Washington was priced in the mid $30 a barrel range. And now it's $72, $73 a barrel because of the shenanigans going on inside the Beltway. And if they are expecting these huge profits, yeah, they may decide to pay out a fairly large uh, dividend. But there's another reason why the dividend rate might be very, very high. Let's go back and pick on J&J for a second. If they pay out a dollar dividend and their current share price is $40, it's a two and a half percent dividend, right? It's kind of right in line with what we would expect from a very high quality, well-regarded, well-established company. What if they just had an announcement that is dreadful for the company and their stock price drops from 40 to 10? It's a bloodbath. It's a Susquehanna against Moravian college battle uh, it's a bloodbath. 
but they still pay a dollar dividend, their dividend rate now is 10%. Wouldn't you rather have 10% than two and a half? Not under these circumstances. If the value of the company has been slashed by 75%, they are in free fall. The next question is, are they going to even exist? Are they going to survive? So higher dividends, higher interest on a guaranteed account is always a good thing. Higher dividends are good to a point. And then once you cross over the Rubicon and find out that you're in the world of extremely high stock dividends, you have to ask the question, is this company going to survive to pay me my dividends. 610-720-7900. Gene at askmtm.com, more than money online, uh, dot com. Uh, again, 610-720-7900. Uh, I heard you say on your show that Roth IRAs, someone inherits, have to come out within 10 years. Why? They're tax-free anyway. <clears throat> why um that's the rule that's the rule that either congress made or the irs created as a irs revenue ruling created as a regulation uh, my suspicion is really fairly straightforward if you uh, were allowed to inherit a roth ira tax-free uh, it was tax-free to the original person. Let's We'll pick on Gene. Gene had a Roth IRA for 25 years, took out a lot of money tax-free. Then he drops it down to his children, his three girls. They all have a lot of money tax-free. That could go on for a very long period of time, and somebody's not being paid tax. Let me see. Who would that be? Thinking out loud, it's probably a corporation. No, that's that makes, Pennsylvania. No, that makes no sense. Uh, Nazareth School District. No, that makes no sense. Oh, yeah, the IRS. And the IRS wants to look forward to a time when all of that money gets back into where they get paid. So, yes, the new rule that IRA money that's inherited other than by a spouse, other than by a spouse. Spouses have very different rules, much more accommodating. But if you are a non-spouse and you have inherited an IRA, whether it be a standard IRA or a Roth, the money must come out within 10 years. In most cases, not all, in most cases, if you inherit a Roth IRA and you want the maximum tax advantage, you're going to want to leave it in the IRA, the Roth, for as much of that 10 years as you can because it's all tax deferred. And then you will bring it out as your tax advisor will recommend either in pieces or in blocks. Uh, sadly, the tax will be paid. The IRS, I'm, I'm sorry, tax will not be paid, but it will re-enter the taxable world. And the only way that doesn't happen is, and here's kind of an off the top of my head, but I'll bet it would work. So you're in a 401k, you're currently putting in 10,000 bucks a year, but the IRS says you can put 26,000 a year in. You inherit a Roth IRA with 100 grand in it, you pull out $10,000 a year for 10 years. You pay no income tax because it's a Roth. 
and then you immediately put it into your Roth 401k. You don't get a deduction, but you don't need it because it came out tax-free. Now it's right back into the Roth system. Wow. I, I just impressed me with that one. <laughs> That's a good one. 610-720-7900. Gene at AskMTM.com. MoreThanMoneyOnline.com. Here's one that doesn't impress me at all. Uh, there is an individual. His name is Grant Cardone. Uh, he has uh, uh, advertised in the interest of full transparency. He advertises on WAEB a lot. Claims to be uh, America's greatest uh, sales trainer. That's his claim. I have no reason to believe that is either true or not true. I, I've taken a look at a couple of his books. I do not find them compelling, but that's just my personal opinion. It doesn't um, say that it is or isn't valuable. However, <clears throat> kind of like folks who uh, get get kind of smart in one area and then start to think they're really smart in lots of areas. Um, you got to, as mom, my, gosh, I'm using mom all the time now. Don't let the screen door hit you in the butt. And in cahoots, which John reminded me, it's not in Kansas. How embarrassing. Alexandria, Virginia. It's right outside the Beltway. They're all in cahoots. Um, Grant Cardone, um, this is a uh, short release. It says Gen Xers are on deck for retirement, but there's still time to make good or bad moves. Self-made millionaire and sales guru, Grant Cardone. When you call yourself a guru, right then and there, you got to know there's, there's, why not just call yourself a, a uh, traveling show carny? <laughs> just goodness. Uh, thinks one of the good ways is to go Orman opposite. Um, now, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you know that Susie Orman, <laughs> no love lost here. Uh, he recommends stop contributing to their 401ks right away. This advice, of course, exactly. I raise my hand, too, and say this advice, of course, uh, runs contrary to what we have been told our entire lives. Uh, but Gardone made his bones on bold ideas. Bold doesn't mean correct. But he goes on to say, why would I go to work, have my employer give me another 6000 a year, and then take that money and send it off to Wall Street where I can't even touch it for 30 years? Cardone insists that neither the Gen Xers nor anyone else can save their way to financial freedom. Instead, he wants them to earn their way to their goals by taking that savings and investing it in a business or some other wealth generator. This man is too stupid to be quoted. CNBC is too stupid to allow somebody who's this stupid to be quoted. Uh, why would I have my employer uh, take my 6000 send it off to Wall Street where I can't even touch it for 30 years? Well, first of all, bonehead. The employer doesn't take the money. 401k is not an employer money. It's not an employer account. It's a trust. It's the employee's money. And by the way, the employer doesn't decide where the money goes off to, bonehead. The employee does. Now, to be fair, some employees are better at this than others. I get that. But the employer has no say 
in where this money goes. And can't be touched for 30 years, bonehead. You got to learn. You got to be better educated than this. You can't. Your bold ideas are simply ignorance. Actually, in my opinion, because I've read some of your stuff, you're not an ignorant man. You're stupid. The idea that they can't save their way to financial freedom is a big, steaming pile of hoo-ha. And I don't need academics. I don't need Grant Cardone, self-proclaimed guru, to tell me that he's a bonehead sharing steaming piles of hoo-ha. I've got 40-plus years' experience as a financial advisor. I have hundreds of folks in the Lehigh Valley who have saved their way to financial freedom. And the only reason Grant Cardone doesn't like that is because he doesn't get to con some of these folks out of their money and getting that into his investments that he wants to separate their monies from their wallets. I'm sure I'll circle back, but let's real quickly, 610-720-7900, real quickly go to Sandy. Sandy, good morning. Okay, good morning. My question is about IRAs, which you just talked about. Um, my husband died last year in 2020. Oh, sorry. I received his IRA. It is titled in an inherited IRA. I have received no RMD, required minimum distribution, from the uh, firm that's holding that IRA. Hmm. And so now my question is, can I take no withdrawals from that IRA, and then in year nine, can I transfer the balance of that IRA into a traditional IRA. Uh, that's a fair question. Could I simply ask your age? 80. Uh, the answer to both those questions is no. The fact that you didn't take an RMD last year is because there was no required distribution last year. In this year, you will be required to take one, and it'll be calculated on your life. When a spouse inherits an IRA, it's as if it's her very own IRA. If your current custodian doesn't operate uh, in a way that makes you feel comfortable, make sure you get a second opinion. Uh, but Sandy, nope, this year you're going to be taking RMDs and you're going to be taking them year by year. Thank you so much for the call and God bless. We're at the top of the hour. That's Fox Network News. Just as Sandy, if you have a question that you'd like to pose and maybe dig in a little deeper, 610-720-7900. Send me an email, gene at askmtm.com. We'll take your calls after this on More Than Money. Welcome back to More Than Money. You've got Gene Dickinson, your host, your personal financial advisor, flying solo this morning as Alyssa Young is taking the morning. 
No, she wasn't suspended. That's Dan Holzman. Dan gets suspended a lot. Goodness. HR complaints flying. 905. Uh, Alyssa taking the morning with her daughter, Juliana, one of my favorite young people in the world. I believe they're uh, soccer this morning. Uh, Alyssa's son, Andrew, plays for Nazareth's uh, football team. They played Freedom last night. Rough night for Nazareth. Incredibly good night for Freedom. Uh, Freedom has a a group of students called the Riot Squad. Those kids are out of control (laughs) in a good way, all in a good way. Just fantastic. They never let up. They were fantastic. Uh, Last night um, was uh, referred to as an orange out for for the Nazareth um, football community. A gentleman, young man, 19 years old, Cade, uh, suffering from, I believe, leukemia. And they uh, asked everyone to wear orange in support of his efforts for a full recovery. And the Freedom Riot Squad students were 100% in orange. So you start with young people showing that kind of compassion for uh, what a rival, a rival student, and, and yet showing great compassion and support. And then pff, throughout the game, are you kidding me? Those kids have got it. They were fantastic. Rough night on the field, but uh, goodness. Um, a great experience. Great community. Um, anybody that's uh, connected to Nazareth has got to be proud. And and freedom as well. And freedom as well. Uh, markets this week were up nicely. Our September newsletter is out and on the streets and in your email box. Um, if you do not yet receive our email, just simply send me an email, gene at askmtm.com, and we can get that to you ASAP. Uh, we can still send it to you by snail mail but they call it snail mail for a reason uh we can't guarantee exactly when you're going to get it or to tell you the truth if you're going to get it but we're happy to try if you wish send us your address and we'll do the very very best that we can before we went to the break we talked to a lovely young lady sandy sadly lost her husband last year Uh, his ira went into an inherited ira for her um her question actually raised a couple questions for me. I wanted to make sure I was as clear as I can be for Sandy because we were up against a heartbreak. And I want to make sure I'm clear for everyone in our audience who is either in a similar circumstance or has a, a loved one in a similar circumstance. The new IRA rules that money comes out within 10 years applies to IRAs that are inherited by someone other than a spouse. So let's look at the rules for a spouse. Let's use Sandy as an example. Sadly, she lost her husband. That was last year. That money went into an inherited IRA. I'm going to circle back to that. I have an observation about that as well. But her recollection is that the current custodian did not require her to get an, to take an RMD last year. That makes perfect sense. In 2020, through the efforts of President Trump in uh, 
stabilizing our economy in face of the pandemic allowed um, RMDs to be waived. Translation, you did not have to take an RMD. And for many Americans who have IRAs and they are past the age of 70, they did not want to take an IRA, or I'm sorry, a distribution. So it ended up that lots of folks ended up keeping many, many more dollars in their IRAs or 401ks than they might have otherwise. And, And that was great good fortune for them as the economy recovered towards the end of the year. Stock market was actually up in 2020 very, very nicely. So that was a beneficial move all the way around. Now it's 2021. Sandy is 80. She is subject to RMDs, of course. So any IRA that is in her name, she must take an RMD. Because she inherited her husband's IRA, she must also take an RMD there as well. Now, let me use a couple numbers so I can give you an example of how this might work. Sandy has a $100,000 IRA in her own name. Her husband had a $100,000 IRA in his name. That is now in an inherited IRA for Sandy. At age 80, her required minimum distribution is going to be I'm guessing somewhere in the seven or eight percent range. So on hers, it would be say eight thousand dollars. On his, it would be eight thousand dollars. So total, she's going to need to withdraw somewhere in the in the sixteen thousand dollar range. Now, having said that, um, her custodian undoubtedly it is required by law, will notify her before the end of the year, before December 31st, that she has to take these actions. I'm a little surprised that there has not been more communication up till now. It could be that these IRAs are being held. The custodian that's holding them could simply be just that, just a custodian. It's just, just, just an organization that holds IRAs, and they are not financial advisors. If they had been financial advisors, or if they were financial advisors, they might very well have given Sandy some very different information. For example, there is rarely a good reason for a spouse to create an inherited IRA. Since the IRS deems a spousal inheritance of an IRA as if they had always owned it themselves. So in our example, Sandy's $100,000 IRA could very well be commingled with the $100,000 she got from her husband. She has one account, one IRA, $200,000. Pretty simple stuff. No one else, other than a spouse, no one else can do that. Thank you, sir. little bit. Anybody else allergies? Some, some folks in the office, uh, some folks up North, not very many. I, I might be the only one that's really kind of, uh. um, so, uh, Sandy's situation right now is that she has two accounts, one for her IRA, one for her husband's inherited IRA. That's not necessary. They can be commingled. That can be one account. Now I mentioned that it's rarely in a spouse's best interest to have an inherited IRA, but there is an exception. 
And you might recall, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago for a young lady who sadly lost her husband. Uh, he was 62. She was 56. He had a major block of money in his 401k that came into her as an inherited IRA. And the question was, should she put that into her own account? And the answer is no. Because one of the advantages of the inherited IRA for a spouse, should that spouse be under the age of 59 and a half? That's why I asked Sandy's age. She said 80. I would gosh, she sounded 60. Very young voice. Uh, lots of energy. If you are under the age of 59 and a half and you have an inherited IRA, you can take an income from that IRA without paying any penalties at all. If, unfortunately, she had taken that IRA, if I remember correctly, about 800000 bucks, put it into her own IRA automatically, which a lot of financial advisors who don't know the rules would have done, now she takes an income, she has to pay income tax and a 10% penalty. So if she needs 50,000 bucks, that mistake, that mistake will cost her $5,000 in penalties. And that's a mistake. So knowing these rules is really, really, really critical to a financial advisor being able to effectively counsel uh, their clients. 610 uh, Gene at Lots of interesting emails, mostly with um, comments. Comments and observations. Um, some of which are quite supportive. Others of which... Not so much. Yeah, we're, we're all big boys and girls here. Well, I'm a big boy. And, and all right, never mind. That could have gone horribly off the rails. We weren't going to go there. Um, okay. Um, oh, goodness. So sad to hear that the recent widow. Uh, oh, um, Gosh, it just reinforces the question we just answered. Um, it was sad to hear that from that recent widow on the phone. If a spouse inherits an IRA that has a beneficiary, is she required to distribute it within 10 years? The answer is no. Uh, inheriting an IRA as a spouse allows you to follow the normal IRA rules. You do not have to take it out in any particular time frame other than making sure that you're satisfying your RMDs, required minimum distributions. And the one observation is, based on everything I see, I think the only way out for us is to pray, pray, and pray. I got no problem with that observation whatsoever. I think if we, uh, my own personal opinion, if we, if we were looking at a point, an inflection in the history of our country, where um, we started to go off the rails and we haven't yet turned back. It's when <sighs> uh, prayer in school was disallowed. Just my own personal opinion. Um, I could be wrong. I'm not, but I could be. But uh, I think once we started to turn away from 
um, what was at the very heart of the founding of this great country, which is our faith in God. Uh, I think we got, and I think we've continued over what, the last, what, about 60 years? Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, accelerated. And maybe it's time to uh, pump the brakes, Jimmy. 610-720-7900. Let's go to the phones. We talk to John. John, good morning. How are you, Gene? Good, sir. How may we serve you? Well, I just want to first of all say uh, you're not the only one suffering from allergies. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, it isn't uh, uh, alphabet, alphabet agencies spraying stuff in the air. <laughs> Anywho, oh, go ahead, sir. Uh, we have 14, we have four children, and uh, uh, before our IRAs are confiscated by the current administration, we want to disperse um, the, uh, the amount that, well, it used to be 15000 per year. Mm-hmm. Per child, mm-hmm. is that changed, or is there new information or rules that would dictate that? Yeah, it it has changed, not in the sense that the annual amount has changed dramatically. I don't think that is true. I think it's still fifteen thousand dollars, but it's important to remember that in addition to that, in addition to the per year, per child, or per individual uh, limit, you also have the ability to give up to $11 million during your lifetime in addition to that and pay no gift tax and the recipient pays no income tax. So, yeah, you've got your $15,000 per year per person, but you, in addition to that, have $11 million that will cover any other gifts that you want to make. I certainly hope that I hit the lottery and uh, have that kind of money to do. Nice. We're uh, fortunate to have what we have, but we're not anywhere near that. Um, I guess the other question that I have, um, we have a uh, uh, an, uh, an IRA, which was uh, converted from a 401 Okay, and uh, over the last mm, 10 years, uh, because of uh, interest uh, and dividends, we draw from that uh, repeatedly, although um, since it's in my wife's name and she's only 68, uh, these uh, payments or these um withdrawals or distributions uh, just come into our uh, normal uh, income stream and mm-hmm. taxed accordingly. Sure. Um, we also have a significant uh, portion of money in uh, company stock, which uh, my wife garnered over the years, and of course uh, there is a, quite a bit of capital gain. So if we would take that, uh, we will wind up uh, paying 
capital gains tax, but would that necessarily uh, create a problem for our children? Uh, no, no, I, I don't think in either way. Now, if, if this is, uh, I'm going to paint a couple different scenarios. In your mind, you'll select the one that fits you. Uh, you may find, number one, that if you convert, sell, liquidate some modest amounts of stock year by year, if you and your, your bride are in the 15% tax bracket, um, normally uh, your capital gains tax is zero. So you may find that you can uh, liquidate this some of this stock over uh, a number of years and, and end up paying no tax whatsoever. You mentioned earlier gifting. A second alternative is that if you gift stock that has uh, capital gains embedded in it, you can transfer the stock itself as a gift to a child or a grandchild. And if they are in a lower income tax bracket, 15% or less, they can then sell the stock and pay no capital gains. And then finally, as an alternative, of course, at some point if in the future, as you pass away, uh, if the laws have not been changed, that stock would get a stepped-up basis. I would encourage you to look f away from that third option. Too many people, in my opinion, are going, well, I'll just hang on to it, and then when I die, my kids will pay no tax. Well, first of all, you mentioned your wife is 68, so your kids are going to be waiting 40 years for this stock to come through in the state. That's a long time to wait, and the likelihood that the laws are staying the same are close to zero. So that wouldn't be my first choice, um, but, but managing your tax bracket and or making gifts of stock into uh, taxpayers whose tax brackets are low and, and their capital gains tax would be zero, those are two things I would look at carefully. Yeah, one last thing. Sure. I have uh, significant cash values in insurance policies. Yeah. Uh, is that a uh, mechanism that would not then incur income tax uh, for my wife and I or our children? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting idea. There's a couple ways that you benefit. There's a couple ways that your beneficiaries benefit. But in all cases, it can be done that you could access that cash value as a loan against the cash value, which means it's not taxable income to you. And your beneficiaries could receive the proceeds from those life insurance contracts. And again, beneficiaries receiving life insurance proceeds, those are not income taxable either. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, John, my pleasure. God bless you. Take care. You as well. Thanks. 610-720-7900. 610-720-7900. Uh, happy to take your Questions, gene at askmtm.com. Happy to take your emails. I got it. Not really sure. <laughs> um, it simply says, Gene, do you have best or safe insurance annuity? Grammar not being my strong suit, I'm not really. Um, actually, I'm fairly clear. Um, I'm interpreting this question. There's no punctuation. There's uh, as do. Um, as financial advisors in our More Than Money World headquarters, do we offer safe investments, uh, safe annuities? Um, um, the word best is certainly subject to interpretation, but I would like to uh, 
Um, I, I, w- I would take a firm stance that I think, yes, in terms of best, I think we have a real shot at laying claim to that. Now, um, there are a number of uh, radio shows produced by uh, folks. Uh, they put their shows in the can for the weekend, um, right where they belong, um, that are sponsored by, in most cases paid for by, annuity companies. Um, many of those annuity companies are more than willing to pay uh, handsomely for that radio time because the annuities that they are selling may not fall under the category of best or safest, but they certainly fall under the category of most lucrative. And when they start with there are no fees, now you know that you're being fibbed to. Now you know that you're being fibbed to just because there's not an invoice. They don't send you a bill just because it doesn't show up as a negative on your statement doesn't mean there's no fees. Because if there were no fees, that would be there's no profits. That would mean the insurance company, the annuity company would go out of business in a matter of days or weeks. And they don't. And not only are there profits, but the profits must be pretty substantial if they can afford not only to pay for expensive radio time, but also to pay five, seven, nine, 10% commissions uh, to their salesmen. Uh, salesmen who claim, claim, geez, almost all of them are simply insurance salesmen, insurance licensed. They're not fiduciaries. They don't um, have a background in a complete financial advisory or even a complete investment world. But uh, safe and best, these are subjective uh, uh, terms, but we are very fortunate, uh, unlike many who claim that they know everything there is to know, widely sought out nationwide. Uh, some of these guys, I've heard their shows, they're not even sought out in, into like Kutztown. Not, not Phillipsburg? No, they don't even cross the river. So don't give me this nationwide stuff. Um, bottom line is that we do have a firm that we work with that is sought out nationwide, coast to coast. They do thousands and thousands of life insurance policies, long-term care insurance policies, annuity contracts every single year for hundreds and hundreds of high-quality advisors. Ash Brokerage has been a partner, a strong partner of MTM since we opened uh, more than a dozen years ago. Uh, our good friends, uh, Mike Pompey, uh, Kagan Morris, uh, Tim Ash, president of Ash Brokerage, is a good friend. Uh, they work diligently to identify, in their opinion, the best-in-class fixed annuities, fixed-indexed annuities, life insurance contracts, long-term care insurance contracts. Um, so we are very confident that however you decide you will define best or safe, whether it's a life insurance, long-term care, annuity contracts, um, that ASH represents you know, your best interest in identifying from the dozens and dozens and dozens of companies that they deal with um, what is best, not in general, not in a kind of a general sense, but what's best for you. Last break of the show. You don't have... Uh, forever you've got 24 and a half minutes left when we return to have your questions asked and answered so call right now 610-720-7900 610-720-7900 gene at askmtm.com works very well by the way you've heard the ads 
You better get insurance to protect yourself from someone stealing your house. I'm going to get and give you an answer. I'm going to I'm going to give you the inside scoop on whether you need house ownership ownership insurance or not right after this on more than money. But welcome back to More Than Money. You've got 24 and a half minutes to have your questions asked and answered on this gloriously beautiful September morning. I hope you're enjoying uh, all of it so far and you have plans for the rest of your weekend to enjoy all of it as well. Happy to take your questions. Gene at askmtm.com, G-E-N-E at askmtm.com. Um, works very well indeed. And if you'd like to uh, use the Miracle of Modern Science and iHeartMedia, then you can go online, morethanmoneyonline.com, and that will bring you to our show as well. Uh, I mentioned before the break that we are very proud that Ash Brokerage is our partner on the insurance side um, of our practice. And indeed, Ash puts out on a weekly basis what they call their best in class. And I'm looking at two different lists. One is for fixed annuities. By the way, fixed annuity rates as of this week range from 1.95 for a three-year uh, 2% for a four-year, 25 for a five, 2.65 for a five, 2.8% for a seven. So if you were interested in, say, a three, five, and seven-year kind of a ladder, you would get um, 195, you'd get 25 and you'd get 2.8%. Uh, all, let me see, let me make sure. Fidelity, Sagacore. Yeah, yeah, all different uh, annuity companies. So... Uh, unlike many uh, salesmen who like to stick with one company because they can aggregate uh, all their sales for higher commissions because, <laughs> you know, there's no fees. Do you get paid a commission? Yeah, that's called a fee. Um, so uh, you could do a nice uh, ladder, and when the three-year comes due, then you have the opportunity to say, hey, I'd like to uh, either roll that forward or re-up for something else or take it out and spend it, whatever you wish. So you could do three, did I say three, five, and seven? Yeah, really, really nice. Uh, minimums are, are particularly modest, $20,000 each, so you don't need a lot of money to do that kind of uh, laddering. And then on the best-in-class indexed annuities, one, two, three, four, five, six different companies out of seven uh, in terms of their top best-in-class indexed annuities. That's the kind of due diligence. That's the kind of behind-the-scenes um, uh, professionalism that you want to see uh, paying attention to whatever uh, product, um, insurance, or otherwise that you're being uh, offered. 
610-720-7900. We go to the phones. We talk to Clark. Clark, good morning. Good morning. Um, I see you got my emails. Uh, but anyway, um, got a question about gifting. Is there really a $15,000 annual limit per person? Sure. Well, let me throw this out at you. In a lot of cases, the elderly put a child on their account as a possible signer. Sure. Now, the assumption there is that, for Pennsylvania purposes, half of it is considered the other person. That's true. So what if you took out some money by that other person? Is that considered a gift? It was a gift when the second person was added to the account. They don't have to take anything. If we're use simple numbers, there's an account worth $100,000 and mom decides to add daughter because it makes it more convenient or she feels more uh, secure, then the moment that the daughter's name appears on the title to the account as a co-owner, mom has made a $50,000 gift to the daughter. To be fair, uh, most folks have never heard it expressed that way. Most folks have never had it explained to them that way. Most bank uh, folks yeah. who are helping them set up the accounts either have not had that kind of training or they have that kind of training. They just don't tend to open up that kettle of fish. So they go ahead and let that, that happen. And no one is uh, reporting it on their tax return as they should. No one is accounting for this correctly. And it all kind of gets sorted out when mom passes away. Well, most people in their mind would think if they gave an individual 15000 that that was the limit for the year. Oh, there's no question that most folks, um, majority of the folks think that there is a rock solid do not cross this line or right. pay huge penalties. And the answer is it's just not true. Right. Well, so then really 15,000 doesn't really exist. Well, it does, but it does for a different purpose. It exists so that anything under 15,000 per person per year does not have to be reported to the IRS. There's no reporting requirements of any kind. So literally, you but, could pick up, hang on a second, you could pick yeah. up 20 different people, give away $300,000, uh, eliminating it from your estate, your taxable estate going forward, yes. and you don't even file a piece of paper with the, with the IRS. But if you give away, in our example, $50,000, yes. you have to file a form with your, uh, I, uh, your 1040 saying, I made this gift. And I'm using fifteen thousand this year, and I'm using part of my lifetime exclusion. Well, what if the what if the account for for purposes here was one hundred twenty thousand, mm-hmm. and it was just a you know a mother and a daughter, mm-hmm. and the mother wrote a check. Well, the question is, the daughter could actually write a check. Yeah, all of that is is actually irrelevant because the gift occurred when the daughter's name appeared on the account. It does not have anything but, to do with where the money goes thereafter. Well, let's suppose the account at the time only had $10,000 in it. And then over a period of time, 
you funded that account. Every time you fund that account, if it started with 10 and you add 10, you made a gift of $5,000. It's a fascinating set of theories, but we're going to say thank you for the call, and we're going to move on to Tim because Tim has a question about gifting as well. Tim, good morning. You're on More Than Money. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Pleasure. My situation is when my son was about eight years old, I bought him some common stock under the Uniform Gift to Minors Act. Now, 30 years later, <laughs> I have failed to change the registration on that, and he wants it sold to help him uh, finance the purchase of a house. I am going to get a check made out to me as custodian. <laughs> my son is in a different state. Uh. So my question is, how do I get the proceeds of this into his bank account in New York? Yeah, okay. Uh, this this has become such a problem uh, that the IRS, uh, the SEC, and lots of other regulatory bodies have gotten together, and, and they have issued very stringent rules. Uh, we just had one this week. We have a, a client who set up a similar situation. Uh, his son, I think, was 14 or 15 when he set it up. His son is now 30. Uh, and it's always been in this uniform gift to minors account, and they are mandating that that be pulled out ASAP. Has the stock been sold yet? No. Excellent. I'm just looking into this. Excellent. Who holds the stock? Is it electronic or do you have a certificate? It's electronic. Excellent. Uh, contact is a, a computer share, copy share, one of those firms? AST, I believe. Ah, very good. Contact them directly. Tell them that you want to do a re-registration. You want, before you sell the stock, to re-register this account from a Uniform Gift to Minors account, UGMA is what we used to call them, into your son's name. He is now of age. They will understand completely what you're trying to do. It will be re-registered in his name, his social, his current address, and then he can sell it, and it's no problem for you whatsoever. Is this uh, re-registration a complicated process? Not at all. They will likely be able to do it uh, electronically. They can send you the, uh, the, the uh, form uh, electronically. You fill it out electronically, and it's done. If not, they can do it with a simple piece of re-registration paper. It will require your signature, of course. Uh, but once that's completed, it ends up in your son's name. And as he sells it, he can direct the proceeds into his own bank account. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure, Tim. Thank you. God bless. Okay. Bye now. 610-720-7900. A huge problem. There are hundreds of thousands of accounts out there that were set up for children. And those children are now in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Because there was, for a very long period of time, no urgency on the part of basically anybody to get this thing kind of resolved. Now it is very, very urgent. And because as part of one of our partnerships, we are aligned with the Strategic Financial Alliance, we were alerted this week that one of our clients, and I know the client very, very well, great guy, a little bit of a procrastinator, son, wonderful young man, Marine, Marine, need I say, say more? Well, okay, maybe I should say more. But bottom line, Marine, uh, now in civilian life and in school, uh, 30 years old. And, um, yeah, this has got to get cleaned up. 
So for Tim, for all of you out there, if you set up accounts for your kids and they're no longer kids, get yourself together there. Uh, you've all heard the ads. You, you've heard them. Uh, home title theft. You don't even know it, but your home's been sold and it's already been mortgaged and you're seconds away from being tossed into the street. You don't know that. Uh, well, actually, you still don't know that. <laughs> you still don't. Um, I heard the same ad you did starting, what, about a year ago um, on our very own station and lots of other stations. Uh, people are going to take your home. You've lost your home equity. Uh, you won't even know that you've been defrauded until the sheriff knocks on your door and tells you to put your stuff into a bag and get out within 20 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, title theft insurance. We've talked about it briefly on this show. I, and, and my response was kind of off the top of my head was I've been doing this for 780 years. And I've had yet to have my first report of somebody who's had their home title stolen. Uh, and yet uh, these ads persist. If I understand correctly, in general, uh, I think the uh, title insurance costs, um, uh, uh, if, if I'm, I'm going by memory, but I think it's a relatively small number. So I think a lot of folks are being um, kind of lured in by the fact that uh, for a million dollars of coverage that can be had for like 79 bucks or some such silly number. Um, the reality is that the insurance company can afford to sell it for that minimum number because they don't expect to ever pay any claims. They have no expectations of ever paying uh, any claims. Um, the fact of the matter is... Um, there, of course, there is some grain of truth to all this. Um, somebody can certainly forge uh, your name to any document, including a deed uh, that would transfer the title to the, that, that forger. Uh, and, it, and it absolutely could be filed with uh, the register of deed. However, even if they were to do that, that doesn't mean you've lost your house. A forged deed does not convey the ownership of your home. Only you can do that. If a buyer or a lender relies on a forged deed, they're out of luck. You're not out of luck. If indeed uh, they were, you see how I did that? If indeed uh, they were to pursue this, go right to the very end and uh, have a forged deed registered and then borrow money against it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, the... Uh, folks who will be out of luck will not be you. It'll be the lender because they didn't do their due diligence. They didn't complete title insurance, et cetera. Or it'll, it'll be the sad sack who ends up buying a house from somebody who has forged the deed because they will show up on your doorstep and say, I own your house. And you'll go, <laughs> you're such an amusing little boy. That is so silly. And you'll toss him to the curb. Anybody who is uh, naive enough to uh, buy a home without going through title insurance is at the very least silly and at the very most uh, out of luck. So in the extremely unlikely uh, occurrence that somebody would go through all of this trouble and risk, because these are felonies, this is federal prison time, um, the cost of clearing the title is the biggest risk. Um, 
They'll require the assistance of an attorney. Uh, it would make it, however, uh, none, no one loses in any of these cases. Um, it, uh, no, no homeowner loses any of, the, any of these cases. Um, it's just the 79 bucks that you're out of pocket. We don't recommend it, obviously. 610-720-7900, gene at askmtm.com, morethanmoneyonline.com. Uh, I make a quick note. Jeez, uh, I was supposed to do this in the first hour. I apologize. Um, we've had in recent months a couple, several, two, three, uh, situations where uh, folks are call, have called our More Than Money offices requesting uh, information, uh, almost always uh, pretty specific um, uh, research, tax information, investment information, et cetera. And, and for whatever reasons they think appropriate, while they uh, leave a working phone number, they use a false name. You say, why? I wonder that too. Uh, I don't know if they think that's being clever, that somehow that they're kind of going back to that, and that, that first email that we had where that guy says, hey, in the proposal, she gave me everything I need. I'll just go do it myself. But may, maybe they know that they're being um, hinky um, and they don't want their real name associated with the hinkiness of what they're doing. Don't know. Uh, admittedly, two, three tops, but it's a head-scratcher. We offer two hours of free information on radio every week. We offer another hour of free information on two TV shows every week. We offer every month four pages of newsletter, questions and answers of free information. Uh, we, we are literally uh, inviting anyone who wants free information uh, to uh, reach out to us. And we fully acknowledge that there are certain people um, that will take advantage. We get that. Um, but but the, the it's disrespectful. Don't do that. Don't make up silly names. Because then you just make Gene cranky. Gets a little snarky. And, and then he wants to burn down your house. Which is... Uh, which, no, that's not covered by title insurance. It is not covered. It is covered by the talking heads insurance, burning down. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> oh, one of the best. They're so good. Oh, so, so, so good. Um, uh, was it Harry Nielsen did uh, jump into the fire? Or, yeah, jump into the fire. Um, and and the long, I heard the long version on the way down. It's, I think, 14 minutes long. And I thought... In the old days when we were doing Name That Tune, somebody names it, and then we, we'd, we'd go out of the show with the tune. We'd, we'd have to break it like 8, 923. <laughs> this is the long version of Nielsen Schmielsen. Really, really good stuff. Uh, so uh, if you are uh, that type of person who uh, is simply interested in um, uh, leeching off the hard work of other folks, Use your own name. Just fess up. Just don't be a goof. Um, we acknowledge that there are a small percentage, very small percentage 
of folks out there that because of just their nature, uh, they're not um, uh, appropriate, appropriate uh, long-term client relationships. And, and we're okay with that. You just take it and go um, and save all of us. Save all of us. Uh, 610-720-7900. Uh, Gene at askmtm.com. More than money online.com. We go right to the phones and we talk to Gene. Gene, good morning. Good morning, Gene. I just have a clarification question sure. on the gifting, yeah. on the gifting that you said. The $11 million in any other gifts, I thought that only pertained to real estate, that oh. it had to be... Oh, that's that's a very interesting observation. I've not heard that. The answer is no. It will apply to any gift of any type of valuable, whether it's stocks, bonds, cash, real estate, mutual funds. It can be anything that you're making a gift of um, that has value. That's incredible because that's around that it has to be real estate and it was from an attorney. <laughs> uh, well, make sure that attorney reaches out to us so I can square them away. All right. Well, I, I really like your program. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, thanks for your time. Bye-bye. God, God bless you. Take care. 610-720-7900. Did I see that? Very good. Uh, gentleman writes, well, I'm 39. My wife is 41. We have 140000 in our retirement accounts. Which is the safer way to invest? All guaranteed money or splitting the money up into different investment pieces? Hmm. The word that's throwing me off there is safer. Safer. I, um, I mean, you would think that that's a pretty straightforward word and that, that, that it would be very plain to everyone what is safer. That's not true. Um, I'll give you an example. Currently, if you have money in the bank and it's FDIC insured, let's say you have 100000 bucks. Uh, is that safer than being in the stock market? Well, if you're talking about risk to your 100000 the answer is yes. If you're talking about risk to your financial future, the answer is maybe not. Maybe the stock market is safer. W what? How can that be? Well, uh, the boneheads in D.C. are working really hard to create a high inflationary environment. There was a time, Jimmy Carter, inflation, 10, 12, 14 percent a year under President Trump, 1 percent. So what if it only goes back to five? And let's say you're in the bank and you're making one. Well, at the end of the year, your, your accounts in the bank is 101,000. But your spending account, the, the ability for you to buy stuff has gone down 5%, so you've only really got 96.5. And you do that for 10 years. And in 10 years, your bank account says, I've got 110, it's been perfectly safe the entire time. But all your costs have gone up, so your spending ability has gone from 100 to 47.5. That's risk. That's real risk. That's not safer. Uh, you are 39. Your wife is 41. If these are retirement accounts, you've got somewhere between 20, 25, maybe 30 years that you, these monies are going to be invested. Um, safe as in guaranteed money means that you will 
Uh, your principal will never go down, but it will likely not grow enough to offset future taxes and inflation. If, on the other hand, you do invest in different investment pieces, asset allocation, some stocks, some bonds, some real estate, some commodities, maybe some precious metals, uh, et cetera, real estate, et cetera. The likelihood, even if you have a reasonable rate of return, 6 or 7%, is that at the least you will have a chance to um, match inflation, perhaps even exceed inflation, keep your purchasing power intact uh, for your retirement years. Folks, we just have a couple moments left in this edition of More Than Money. For many of you, lots of what we talked about today was was eye-opening or ear-opening, depending. And you're saying, wow, that's really interesting, but I have some more questions. That's why we invented the Second Opinion Meetings. All you need to do is ask uh, to meet with one of our More Than Money advisors. They're all wonderful. I've trained them all. They're all fantastic. Uh, and uh, you have the opportunity to sit with any one of them absolutely free. Spend a full hour, uh, get your questions asked and answered, get a lot of good information specific to you. Not it depends general answers, but specifically this is what's best for you. And the way you do that is you simply ask. You can send me an email, gene at askmtm.com, G-E-N-E at askmtm.com. You can go to our website, morethanmoneyonline.com. You get tons of great information, then you can contact us. And, of course, you can go old school. Old school works really, really well, especially if you like talking to wonderful people. Those are the folks at MTM. Call us 610-746-7007. 610-746-7007. Folks, thank you so much for spending part of your Saturday with us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time on More Than Money.